This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Pivotal Conversations. Another crazy, crazy episode today. Uh, It's tech month, so a month where we're diving into technology, how it's impacting the fitness industry, how you can leverage it to start creating exponential growth for your business and and gain competitive advantage and and very educational. Uh, And on today's episode, it's no different. We have Mark Fox on the podcast. Mark is, he's not new. He's been on before. Uh, He's no stranger to the podcast, but he's definitely someone we're going to have on regularly. Um, You know, we're going to try to get him on as much as possible. He's very very switched on but i think he's very futuristic in the way he thinks and um he works with the one percent guys you know he works with the best of the best in the industry and then builds platforms for them to allow them to continue to achieve their legacy to continue to grow their business and do what they're passionate about and amplify every single one of those aspects which is critical uh you know it's critical for continuous growth so He's someone that you definitely want to be listening to. You definitely want to be following. Um, but some really cool things in today's uh, episode that we dive into is a, a little bit of a, a little bit of perspective of how Mark looks at um, the business development process and kind of creating products and and how you know you can you can start to really use customer feedback to um, create a world class product and also you know deliver on the unmet need uh, that you know, that particular subset or, or niche is um, asking for. Uh, and there's kind of three main points that I want you to um, think about as you go into this episode and, and kind of the three main takeaways. And that's that the, the fuel to business growth is customer feedback, iteration and validation. And that's kind of what I got out of this episode is that you need to constantly be getting feedback from your customers to see if the product you're producing, the service you're producing is actually meeting their needs and then use validation, right? So whenever you're bringing something out or you're changing something or you want to come out with a new product, a new type of service, you need to validate it. And you can only do that through customer feedback, uh, data, all of these types of things. And then iteration, never go for the Hail Mary. Never go for the big long shot that's going to make you a million dollars and then hope and hang all of your hats on that and spend a lot of money, time, focus and effort uh, to for this one big shot. It never works that way. That's coming from me. That's coming from um, and Mark as well. And, and Reese was in on the episode and he totally agreed. It's, it's about iteration. Iteration, get it validated, get customer feedback, repeat. It's a really cool episode. We dive into technology and Mark's predictions on you know what he thinks is going to happen over the next 10 years with technology uh, based on his expertise and kind of working in the field. So that's really cool and it could be quite eye-opening for you guys. Um, now, um, before we dive into the episode, the Diploma of Fitness Business is has now launched. This is our 10-week course uh, that basically uh, teaches you two of our three pillars uh, of the v- business development process, and that is stability and growth. Now, stability is the nervous system. It's creating this nervous system that becomes a reflex for our business so that we don't make mistakes, we improve our, our decision-making skills uh, and you know over time improve our judgment which allows us to grow um, but it also creates strategic assets that guide us uh, on how to grow our business and a lot of people make the mistake of tackling business growth without these strategic assets such as brand niche product um, business intelligence cash flow these are the guiding lights so 
and then we also teach you growth and, and kind of the fundamentals that underpin growth and they are you know performance accounting understanding what levers we can pull so we know where to look to actually get us more profits uh, and then obviously digital marketing client acquisition building that system understanding how to communicate effectively with your clientele is absolutely huge and then the other one is the engine of growth actually understanding the formula of growth and where you need to be looking and what numbers you need to be tracking you know, uh, as I said, this is the best product we've bought to date. 10 weeks, live lectures, 4K video lessons every single week, mentor calls, the ultimate support system on your educational journey so that you are willing to actually make moves while you're with us uh, and then obviously can to, you know, provide you with an alumni beyond the course itself to create that eternal support so you can continue to make moves. Um, but all in all, as I said, it's it's a pretty cool product, man. Like we've put... I want to say a big shout out to my team out there, Patty Roach, Reese, Val, Jason, Olivia, um, and the rest of the team, absolutely crushing it, helping us bring together this product and, and this project. So big shout out to those guys. Um, but the early bird finishes for the course on the 26th of February. So from now until then, you can get the course for $999.99, basically $1,000, and then it'll go up to 1400 after that. So if you want to dive in, dive in now. You're going to get it at a really good price. After that, we're going to put it up to what it's worth because, um, you know, honestly, the results that you'll get on the back of this and the understanding of how to run a business is going to be priceless on your journey for the rest of your life. Not going to keep you any longer, guys. Um, big thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode, and I will see you on the other side. Thanks for inviting me back to do it. Like, it's, it's and, and thanks for your patience. Like, I need to catch up on your podcast over the last month. It's just been, um, as you know, like a, a hectic with launches and moving countries again. Just a difficult time, but I'm going to catch up. Like, everything's getting back into the groove now. So I appreciate you having me back on. No, that's all right, mate. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I value your opinion, and and I think, I think you've got a you know, there's you you do some great work, and I think getting your mind uh so that people can listen to it i think is going to be super beneficial for a lot of the people out there so willing to to kind of wait and and obviously make it happen and and kind of make some time for it definitely thank you so we are live and we are here with mark fox and uh my my boy reese and mark you have gone through a bit of a move where does this podcast find you at the moment yeah, we are currently in Dubai. After the lockdown in Spain, we've shifted from the UK. UK had a huge lockdown, as everyone knows, uh, to Spain. And then Spain went back into lockdown. So we jumped over to Dubai. We're slowly making it to Australia. <laughs> Mate, it's it's paradise down here at the moment. We've got, you know, no lockdowns. Touch wood. Far yeah. out. Don't say it. I've got, I want to take that back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's paradise. I mean, are you missing the villa? That's the question. Yes, for the moment, because we're stuck in a hotel room. I say stuck in a hotel room. It's actually a pretty good place to be in comparison to where a lot of people are at right now. But um, not in not too long, three or four weeks, we should be back in a villa, which will be nice. Yeah, nice. What's the situation in Dubai at the moment? Is it? It's pretty good. They, I mean, whenever us locked down, they had a flood of people, tourists come over here. So they're running at about third capacity with tourists across December. But that influx of people from countries that had very high uh, COVID cases meant that their cases bumped up a bit. Mm. But overall, it's still very low. The government are very, 
I mean, they're very business focused here, right? It's actually a really exciting place to be for any business um, because they're so driven on entrepreneurs and like helping small businesses grow and investing back into people. And so when their focus is business and keeping it alive and keeping their economy going, they then have a whole different strategy in and around how they're going to handle COVID. So business is their priority alongside obviously their residents. Um, and it's, they're handling it really, really well. They're driving really hard on the vaccine and um, getting as much immunity as possible across different age groups. But it, I mean, they're doing a good job. Yeah, awesome. It's it's quite interesting. I mean, a lot of the time, I'm I'm pretty lucky to be able to speak to people from all around the world at times, and yeah, and even you know, in sometimes when we're teaching courses and we're on calls, it's kind of like you know, what's the situation there? But um, hopefully, hopefully, we can start to accelerate uh, whatever progress looks like. Right, that's the hard thing yeah. right now. But whatever progress looks like, so that because um, that's one thing I am missing at the moment. I'm sure Reese is as well, and is travel. Um, is kind of mm. having the ability to, to uh, head overseas at, at will and kind of do the things that, and go see people. You know, I had a big trip planned last year to the States um, for, you know, eight weeks, had a heap of stuff planned and all that got put on ice. So I'm definitely itching to kind of uh, be able to travel at, at, um, and get across to some, some countries and, and, and see some people that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's... That's such a valuable thing to think about because everyone's kind of caught in the now of the crisis and everything that happened. And then people are being very reactive to the whole situation. So everyone last year was panicking. Oh shit, like I need to get onto, I need to somehow do virtual classes or manage my clients in a different way. Completely had to change their business strategy and what they're doing. And now people should really be in the groove of that and have systems in place for their online coaching and you know in, um, interacting with their audience. But now you should be thinking about, okay, in the next six months, we're probably going to be coming out of this. So what does that look like? As we start to open things back up, as travel starts to open back up, as we do seminars, live weekends, all that sort of stuff, what is your position then? Like, what are you aiming towards at that point in time? Because otherwise you're going to miss the market. You're going to be that person that was chasing your tail when lockdown happened. Then you're going to be the person that's chasing your tail when life gets back to normal. So people should really now be looking at in three to six months, how can I travel? What can I do? And what opportunities are there for me? Um, in order to stay that one step ahead of you know everyone else. Yeah, it's such a good point. Like I think, I mean, and that's probably something as a business owner, you have to really start to embrace. And, and you know, I mean, you kind of want to move away from that short-termism in a sense, like where yeah. you can only ever see a couple of weeks ahead. And I think that's something as time goes by and the longer you stay in business, you know, if you make it that far, that's the stuff that you kind of, you realize is like, you know, I need to, I need to be two to three steps ahead here. And I, and I need to be able to plan for, you know, what those two to three steps are. Um, mm. Cause you know, if I'm not, I'm always going to be reactive and uh, a reactive business, although you, you still need to be reactive, but if you can, you know, um, look ahead and, and start to make some, you know, good judgment calls and, and that comes with, you know, time and experience, a lot of the time that's where you can get your biggest wins and, and probably gain yeah. you know, a lot of your competitive advantage. It's so much more enjoyable as well. It's when you're like, it's a completely different stress when you're being reactive to business all the time, you're constantly like, you won't be sleeping properly. You'll wake up stressed, you'll go to bed stressed and you're constantly kind of firefighting and just dealing with that. And you never have time then to actually properly plan and execute things in your business. So you're just dealing with, with shit every single day and it feels like a massive burden. And when you actually get into this whole groove of everything's planned out, everything's streamlined, you have all your systems, everything in place, and you're looking at two, three, six months, a year down the line, you then have this really good 
focus point. It's, it's exciting because you're working up to things, then launching and releasing, then working up to something else, and everything works. It's just a whole different dynamic in terms of how you run your business, and it becomes enjoyable then, and you can actually see all of your efforts, like the results of all of your efforts, and get really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, my mind straight away goes to dopamine, right? It's like, you know, your ability to actually look into the future is a lot of the time what excites you. But if you're too busy putting out fires, you're never probably, you're probably never yeah. going to be excited. I think that, yeah, um, I think that probably gives us a pretty good um, segue to talk about what, what you've been doing, Mark, of like you've been setting some launch dates. You've had a lot of things going on at the moment and probably allowed you to cope a lot with the, uh, the transitions of the move and having such a, you know, a busy business. Um, what's really kept you kind of making these moves and creating the scale through obviously all the things you run. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, the, the last few months we've pretty much been doing back-to-back launches, whether it's been a week apart or a week apart at some times. And the only way in which we've been able to do that is to, we started this six months to a year ago. So it wasn't, we didn't decide like a month ago, oh, let's do it next month. It was through years of understanding and learning from, from data, essentially, what we need to put in place now so that we could have an effective launch strategy moving forward. Um, and then we have lots of measures in place across the launch that we're making sure we're ticking these off as we go. Um, and it's, it's still stressful, but it's that good stress because we know that um, if we adhere to this plan and we, we go from A through to Z, in our plan that it's going to work out the way we want it to. And there is some, you know, like I said, there is some kind of reactiveness to it always because things inevitably happen that we're not prepared for um, as much as we do everything we can to make sure we are. Um, and then we'll firefight those and then just go back to the plan and keep just running through those steps to get it to, um, you know, a time that we can launch and we're happy. Um, but it's been, the last few months has been incredible. The, the feedback we're getting, everything now has just exponentially got better. And it all comes down to, we just listen to our audience. It's not, there's no magic thing that we're doing above and beyond other people, other than we listen to the feedback we get from people. And then we build whatever product it is around our specific audience. So for different businesses, that looks like a different thing. Um, so rather than us telling people, this is what you want, it's well, what do you guys need? How can we make, how can we solve your problems better for you? Like what can we do to help you? And then we go away, strategize that put it together as a product and then deliver it to people get feedback on that build upon it and then just keep building out that way constantly evolving what we're doing but based around the customers want and need as opposed to you know our, our business mind is always there that obviously you need to profit from this at some point but in the beginning it's just about how can we do the best job for you and then we'll figure out the monetization afterwards it just comes as part of it normally i really um i think one of the questions I was going to ask you today was around um, what are some of the principles that really underpin a successful um, platform-based biz uh, business model or, or business? And for those of you who don't know, Mark deals with some of the best in the industry, some of the, you know, the I would say the 1% um, in terms of helping them bring a platform that delivers, uh, you know, their knowledge, their, their expertise uh, to their customers uh, at scale. And you, the way you actually do that is through um, building platforms out them, for them from scratch. Uh, so, and you've worked with some incredible names. So I'll, I want to kind of get that question across because I think it, it, you know, the answers you just gave are so important and they, they're often very much looked over, right? It's, it's one yeah. of those things that it's like, it's right in front of you, but nobody sees it. 
what are some of the core principles, you know, for anybody out there who's looking to get into a digital business model and potentially a platform, maybe not from scratch, but, you know, looking to build something that's a, a, you know, a digital business model. What are some of the core principles that you think they should um, focus on uh, to make that platform successful? Sure. First and foremost is it's got to be about your customer, right? It's um, the two things that mainly I focus on in the beginning are the customer's need and want. I always say, and I, I read this in a book somewhere before, that was if you can solve your customer's problem better than they can solve it themselves, then you're onto a winner, right? So you need to be giving huge value in what you do to that end user and making sure that you're providing a solution to them based on their wants and needs and desires. So that can that can be a really simplistic product. It doesn't have to be something that's this huge digital platform that has apps and has you know all these integrated systems and everything. It's if you're, let's say you're at the coaching level and you want something like group coaching, um, or you just want to level up a little bit in terms of your automation and building a business, a digital business that requires less sort of day-to-day -day work, then you can do that really on a very simplistic level, you know, using Facebook groups or using um, very freely available software that's out there for you to, take advantage of and the, it just comes down to how kind of how you're aligning your goals and beliefs with your clients and then building systems around your clients to deliver that to them and that doesn't require anything that's fancy you just have to be able to listen to people take feedback and then build upon it and that's the main principle of everything we do so every single business that i run although you could pigeonhole everyone and say well they're all in bodybuilding or they're all in fitness well they all have very different platforms so if we take jordan uh, trained by JP, that's very much built around the community. So over the last six months to nine months, we've been building out the community side of the platform. And we've just launched the like activity wall that's very kind of similar feel to social media platforms, where now people can, you can make connections on the website, you can post your pictures, your status updates. We're going to be doing video integration over the next couple of months, so you can post your videos um, and all that sort of stuff and interact with everybody. Um, Joe, hypertrophy coach, is very much focused on um, you know training plans and building muscle. So we just relaunched his with a direct focus on programming and uh, giving workouts to all of his followers. And there's a whole education section in around um, you know, biomechanics and strength curves and all this nerd stuff that his audience love. And then for Eugene, it's more um, uh, like gen pop. So we focus more around helping people with nutrition and diet and everything alongside the training programs. And then we have training programs that are specific to you know training at home as well, or minimal or beginners and that sort of thing. And it's only from listening to our audience and getting their feedback and kind of looking at the data that we've been able to determine well, this is gonna. This is what they want, and every single one of them is different. And then we just start something very small. And I know we've discussed this before, but creating a product of minimal viability, something that's good enough that you can put out to people, that sort of gets across what you want to do, um, but it's so valuable because it will then start to give you feedback. Once people start using your product, you can then get feedback on it, and you can tweak and change it and evolve it into this whole new thing that is going to be perfect for your customers. It may not be what you envisioned in the beginning. But by the time you get it, you know, a year, two years down the line, it's going to be perfect for your audience as opposed to you waiting two years to launch something you think is brilliant and turns out that nobody actually wanted it. What, when you talk about feedback, what, what kind of mm. uh, strategies are you using to get that feedback? Is it direct? Is it data? You know, what kind of feedback are you looking for when you, when you are, you know, looking to make iterations? So it's a combination of both. We look through the analytics to see which tools and features are predominantly being used in the app and which ones aren't. Um, we'll phase out the ones that aren't getting 
uh, much use at all. Ones that are kind of getting interactive with will evolve and tweak and change and see if that gives us more interaction, test it, you know, um, put some tests in place to see what's working and what isn't. But then also we directly ask people, we just, on all of our apps when we post them, in any app update, we say, if you've got an idea for the app or any feedback or comments, send us a message. There's an email address to shoot us a message. We have Facebook groups where people can post up you know, any of their questions, thoughts, feelings about the app and everything, um, and then support tickets that people come through. And then we've got chats on the website now, live chats where people can directly message us. So we're trying across any platform. And also the guys, you know, like Eugene, Joe, Jordan, they'll post and, and ask people, like, if you're using this, let us know. Um, so we're just as frank as that, just say, let us know what you like and what you don't like. And then we'll take all of that, we review it on a, a weekly basis, and then we'll build, you know, from what people are telling us, we'll take those ideas, and then we'll build out systems and ideas that might work really well. And then we'll implement them, test them, see if they take with people. And the ones that do, we build upon the ones that don't, we get rid of. So I got a question and I actually was listening to a guy called Rory Sutherland. I don't know if you have ever listened to him. He's a digital marketer, copywriter guy, but he actually talked about something that I really, I really liked. And, and I wanted to see if this is something that you do, because I think in the digital space, you can, you can do it quite easily, but mm. he talked about, and uh, you know, changing the perception or using perceived value um, to change the customer experience. So he talked about, you know, I think it was in the UK, they spent six billion doing up some train because they wanted to make it. Uh, I think it was like a four-hour ride down to a two-hour ride. Um, and you know, he said the issue isn't the fact that it's four hours; it's you know the perception of what that four hours is to the customer, and mm -hmm. how you could you know he he made a, a funny joke. He's like, oh, you know, you could put he goes, you could put Wi-Fi on the train, and and you would probably fix that problem. He goes, or you could you know bring the <laughs> the top 100 supermodels in the world and serve tequila on the train and just have them walking up and down and you would still fix that problem and it would cost you a quarter of the money. Um, yeah. And, you know, he makes an interesting point is, you know, when you obviously are getting this data and you're then making these iterations, are you completely trying to come up with new iterations? Are you taking some that you still think have potential and, and maybe, you know, uh, trying to change the perception of that um, particular feature or, you know, um, just whatever your, whatever, yeah, but that particular feature on the actual platform itself. Yeah, we'll always, we'll start with the, the smallest, simplest solution to whatever the problem is. So we'll never, if people are asking for, you know, let's say diet or nutrition as an example, that's a huge, um, you know, rabbit hole that we could go down. And for anybody, we could, you know, you're talking like in terms of massive investment, like billions and billions into the train scenario, we wouldn't ever take a year to build out a whole nutrition section and add in every possible feature and functionality, thinking that's going to solve the problem for somebody. Um, we would just start off with something really simplistic that's going to give people some sort of results and then build upon that based on the feedback we get. Because it might be that, you know, like adding supermodels or tequila or whatever to the train, it might be that if we just give you something you know as easy as a macro planner or a macro builder or um perhaps not a macro builder perhaps you just want a set plan that we give to people that's stood into um you know specific calories that would be like the quick fix solution that we could put out there and then we'd see how people take on that and it might be they don't like it and they want more in-depth things and they want to be able to you know log their process and do all their measurements and that stuff so then we'd add little bits of that in across time test it see what feedback we get and then evolve it 
you know, from there. But we'd always start with, what's the easiest way we could solve this problem for people? Um, it's very easy to get caught up in the idea that more is always going to end up in better results. So you might think, well, someone wants to, uh, something to do with nutrition. So we're going to build all this weird and wonderful stuff and we'll integrate it with their watch and we'll integrate it with the, you know, their aura ring or whatever. And um, we'll make sure that it gives them X, Y, and Z. And people just, sometimes I tend to want that. It overcomplicates it. It makes it, they have to learn. Yeah. yeah. And they have to learn, think how many platforms now you have to use, right? And if someone has to present a new one to you and it's like, it could be the most brilliant platform in the world, but now there's, 50 things you have to learn how to do before you can actually get to the end result. You don't really bother to do that. There's a million other things out there that are going to show you how to do it in five seconds. So why are you going to learn how to use ours? Yeah, it's like, that's why nobody leaves Apple, right? It's like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, I, like I couldn't even, like if, if I went and bought a Samsung today, I would chuck it in the bin because it's like, I just don't want to yeah. learn how to use something <laughs> different. I remember getting my Android for, I, I've got one just for um, testing. Um, so we're testing the, the Android apps and, I remember when I first got it years ago, it was such a, a weird learning curve for me. Like being someone who's, I use technology every single day, but having just the different way the buttons work and things like that, it was tedious in the beginning, but I had to do it because of my job. And if I didn't have to do it because of my job, I wouldn't have ever got an Android. I would always stay with iPhone. And so that's the same thing. Like any system you create has to be so simplistic. You want people to use it and you can't expect someone's behavior to change overnight. So if you create this really complex system to try and it might be brilliant, but if it's really complex, people are never going to go to the effort to learn it because the reward just isn't there in the beginning. So you have to start with something small, like get someone to adopt the behavior of just using your app every single day. Just go through this small process. Then in a couple of weeks, add something else. Now they're learning that. In a few months, add something else. So in a year, you might end up with this super complex thing, but people have gone through this learning curve to get there rather than here's all this stuff, like good luck with it. And then removing, right? Like you said something before, which I've heard before, in the in the kind of technology space is sometimes removing features is one of the best things that you can do like yeah. features that aren't getting used can have such a big um a big impact on the uh, usage of the actual um, platform or technology itself yeah for sure and we've got it wrong in the past you know i've got um not got it wrong like it's just it wasn't the right way to do it for the audience i guess it could have worked for other audiences um, but for, so hypertrophy coach, we, over years, just kept adding things, adding more and more and more and more. And it got to a point where if anyone would have downloaded our app six months ago, they would have opened it and thought, shit, what, like, what do I do? There is just so much stuff in here. I don't know whether you want me to click this. I don't know if you want me to go and look at this content, that content. And we were looking at the data and we we're looking at feedback from people and the sort of questions we were getting. And we realized that we've gone too far. We just, we lost sight of what our goal is. What do our audience actually want? And Joe and I, we had, you know, we spent hours on calls just going back and forward with like, let's take this right back to basics. What do our customers actually want um, and how are we going to help them? And then, and then we went with right programs. So first and foremost, the platform has to be about programs. And then we started to build out a strategy based in and around that and how we're going to deliver that to people. And then we spent the last six months rebuilding everything. And we removed like probably 50% of the stuff that was on there just because it's it's so overwhelming. And then you give people, um, you know, they get um, choice paralysis. There's just too many things. 100%. I think, I mean, it's just such a naturally, right? I think, especially if, you know, in your infancy in business, you just think like, you know, you naturally think about all these cool things you could add into what you do. And, you know, yeah. and you're trying to add all the latest up to date. And, you know, and it's like you're just putting everything you possibly can in there. 
Uh, and on a, a lot of the time, even if you're not even using a platform, like, you know, you're adding all these extras in and a lot of the time it can actually just be too much for the client um, to to actually comprehend. And, and then a lot of the time might even cost you sales, let alone, yeah. you know, post-purchase, right? We're, we're trying to create a product that catches fire, you know, and, and a lot of the time the product that catches fire is one that people actually use and, and, can, and, and it's simple that uh, they can actually spend a lot of time on. They can... and Especially, you know, I was actually thinking about this the other day, but I, I really think technology has accelerated or narrowed how many brands people actually spend time with, in a sense. You know, like everybody has a really close relationship with three or four brands. And then outside of that, it's very scarce. And I think, the, you know, obviously because our brains are adapting to, the stimulus, right? It's like, we just get really good at uh, filtering things out now. And I think that's, yeah. you know, what is causing everybody to be, um, you know, connected to probably only three or four brands where a couple of years ago, it might've been, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it might've been a little bit different, which means that, you know, the consequence to that is that if you've got a product that's too hard to use or you're not getting usage, you, you know, it can, it can be quite harmful to your, to your business. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, there's a couple of things on that that you said, and it's like people being loyal to brands and that whole shift, now, not so much a shift, but there has to be so much emphasis on your core values as a brand of what you stand for. Um, and I did a video on this recently that too many people are focused on their product being their whole offering. So they think too much about what is my product specifically and what is it doing for people? And it's your offering is so much more than that as an individual and a brand. And Google did a study last year whereby they were looking at landing pages and what was the determining factor that made people purchase. And they found that this, the latest trend is that, so Gen Z, rather than actually just going to a landing page and reading all of the jargon on there going, yep, I want to buy that as an impulse purchase, they would click on the logo first to go to the person's homepage to discover more about the brand, make sure that, okay, this brand's goals align with, their core ethos aligns with my own. Um, I appreciate their values. I understand their values. They kind of like me. I like them. Then they'd go back to the landing page and then they'd make a purchase. So though your product is the thing that you're selling, who you are as a brand and what you stand for is so important in this day and age. There's so much noise and so much crap on social media that unless you really like have something of offering to people that has value, you need people to feel validated that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And you need to do that while solving a problem for someone. So you can't just create a product to go, Hey, you know, buy my shit. As I always say, it has to be more well thought out and you have to create something that's truly valuable to people on more levels than just a product. Hundred percent. I think you know, at the end of the day, your product is trying to fulfill some type of psychological need, right? And mm. a lot of the time, that is uh, an ex, I guess, a an expansion of what your belief systems are. Like a lot of the time, naturally, as business owners, we'll hold a certain you know belief system, and and that will kind of uh, subconsciously dictate the type of customer we attract, and and then we have to get really good at. Um, creating a product that fulfills that psychological need of that customer that you're attracting. So I think it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is stuff that you just not taught, right? It's like, yeah. uh, you know, we've talked about it and we're coming out of an age where direct marketing in a sense was, you know, like you could put up a Facebook ad eight years ago and it would cost you $3 a lead and you could pretty much jump straight into profit. Whereas, you know, now we're, we're looking at a bit of a different beast when it comes to, what social media is doing, the amount of you know times people are getting marketed to per day, 
you know, all of these different factors are playing such a large role. And, and as I said, I think the dynamic has shifted massively. I want to mm-hmm. kind of get you get a gauge of yourself and, and kind of your belief system around technology. Um, you know, me and you have had quite a, a fair amount of chats about this. Um, so I might kick us off at what are you, you know, can you tell us a little bit about the rate of acceleration of technology uh, and how much it's progressing, um, you know, and how that's compounding, you know, uh, and what, what are that's going to look like over the next 10 to 15 years? Yeah, well, and you can see it, right? So even if we look back at, for instance, with the COVID, everything that's happened with COVID and the exponential rise in um, just usage of different platforms, so social media. So Instagram were targeted to hit a billion users by 2024, I believe, um, and they're going to hit it this year. It's like they're going to hit this year, so three years ahead of schedule. Um, and that's due to people now you know, predominantly being stuck at home, lockdown, all those sorts of things. Um, time and, and adoption of technology has increased. But the interesting thing is that's not just across like um, 20 year olds, 30 year olds or teenagers. It's actually now an older demographic that never used these platforms is now starting to adopt it because they have to. They've almost been forced into um, you know, going online to purchase things, going online to see, connect with family and friends and use Facebook, um, you know, video calling. All these sorts of technologies now have become so valuable to older generations, too. So the whole market of people, the demographics that are using any digital platform now has increased exponentially. Um, and that just fuels growth in the mugs itself. Because if you look at, I mean, if we went back a year ago, we might not have been doing this call on Zoom. We might have been doing it on Skype or something. And you think about how quickly Zoom has evolved over the last year and you know, everything they've had to adopt to increase their platform. But moving forward, the, the most kind of uh, important thing right now, I think, to look at is integrated fitness. So having technology that wearable technology is going to be integrated with what you're doing to give you real time data, feedback, metrics based on your workouts within a virtual setting, a virtual class with other people that you're competing against. Um, so if you look at the um, you know, mirror that was released uh, last year, um, there's lots of different variations of that coming out now. There's various different wearables. Apple released their fitness platform at home. And it's all about um, and it makes sense in this day and age, you know, to have everything at home and have this virtual us and everything that you can belong to, as opposed to actually having to go out to a gym. People are starting to adopt that and work out at home. And those brands and businesses are becoming very successful. And over time, we're going to see integration of wearables with fitness and health and apps. We're doing that. We're looking at over the next year, how we can start to integrate all of those things into, you know, all of our apps and the uses that we can do for those. I think I've gone off track from your question. No, no. I mean, it was you. You, you did stick with it, um, and you gave us some insight. Uh, I'll, I'll hit you with a follow-up question, right? So, mm-hmm. you, I, uh, how how far and how quickly can this go? You know, in terms of looking at wearables, looking at uh, the technology that's coming into the industry. What is the rate of growth of that technology? And what is something like this, in your opinion, or, you know, giving us a little bit of a prediction in a sense without too much pressure, mm. what does this look like in 10 years? Like, you know, because, I mean, honestly, you look at the rate of growth over the last, you know, even just 24 months, and mm. it, it really does seem like it's compounding, you know, like if, you know, it, it is, if the graph, the graph is almost vertical in a sense, to this point yeah. where it's, you know, it's accelerating dramatically, like what, what is what is this? What does it look like in five to ten years' time, in your like you know from your expert opinion? And 
what does that mean for maybe the everyday business owner and and how do you think they can leverage this conversation to obviously start to um i don't want to use the word competitive advantage but you know to to actually start to to create leverage like leverage in this i guess to kind of sum that up the way i'm taking that question is like what do you feel like is the the necessity or the necessary steps that you know the average fitness business owner needs to take over the next 15 years to keep up with this movement because like as you said the landscape of the industry has changed in the last year like exponentially. So you're in a position now or all the businesses are in a position now post COVID that if they didn't adapt to some sort of technological advantage, they probably fell behind and that stuff's going to continue to happen regardless of COVID or not. So I guess the big question there is like, where do you see all of this technology going and like, how does the average Joe keep up with that growth? Yeah, there's a great question. And I think the, the answer is you have to 100% focus on your core values as an individual. That's the thing that's going to make you different and keep you engaged with your audience and keep you, you know, keep building your client base. So if we look at computing power, um, you know, doubling year on year in terms of processing power, um, computing as a whole in, te- in being the core of, you know, technology and advances in technology is by the time we reach 2045, you look at a curve graph, you know, um, from going back from like 70s all the way up to 2045, this curve starts off very, very small. And then due to doubling year on year on year on year, when we get to 2045, that line pretty much goes vertical. And at that point in time, we reach a singularity, which is the point in time in which computers essentially can think for themselves, do what they want and have instantly have access to all of the knowledge and everything we've done as humans since, you know, anything was ever recorded online and i have access to absolutely everything so, so at that point so pretty in time, much so pretty much terminator like terminators like that's <laughs> yeah. when that happens yeah it's kind of scary people like elon musk are warning us about this you know they're saying mm. this is coming ai ai is going to be really powerful in the future um but the reality is that ai is pretty powerful right now um, and as we start to move forward over the next few years as a coach your job is going to be taken up by essentially a robot by a computer someone will be able to and there are apps that do this now that can you can put in all your stats and everything you could check in with the app each week we're building a very simplistic ai right now um, on gambaroo method which we're going to launch over the next few months which will give you a virtual coach so this ai it's all of eugene's um everything he would use if he was coaching someone in person we're taking all of that we're building an ai and you're in the app be able to check in each week it will give you well um, based on your stress your sleep your diet everything you've been doing we need to tweak your macros. It will then automatically update all of your macros for the following week, track all your progress. If you've had a shitty night's sleep, it will ping you a message and say, hey, was everything all right? You've had a bad night's sleep. And this AI is going to be interacting with you on a level that feels like it's a human being. That's right now. So over the next five years or 10 years, there's going to be software that does, like from an actual um, you know, educational understanding, is going to be able to deliver a product better than you would ever be able to deliver as a coach. It's going to have more knowledge than you. It's going to have more expertise than you. And it's going to be able to deliver the end goal to a client better than you can. So what's the point of difference? If the product is, I'm a coach and I can train you and I can make you build muscle and I can help you with your diet, what's the point of difference from an AI that could do that way better than you can and you? And it's your core values as a human being. Perhaps you're... Uh, you know, a, a woman who's uh, had a baby, you've gone through pregnancy, and then you've you've had the experience of then um, changing the whole shape of your body and your hormonal shift and everything um, post-pregnancy in, in order to get back into shape. Talk about that story with people. Talk to them about everything that you went through, the struggles, the difficulties that you had, um, and that's going to get people's buy-in. 
perhaps you're someone that was really obese and then you've had this incredible journey to get to where you are and talk to people about that story like storytelling engaging with your audience and your values as a human being is what's going to build your business and keep you in business stop focusing too much on the product and focus on why people are doing this in the first place otherwise your job's going to an ai very very soon it's really funny right like i think naturally i think that you know if you're not someone who's technologically savvy right the first thing you think about with technology is not that you know you're like oh technology you know you automatically go to something like it's going to it's going to be easy or you know we can just run a facebook ad and it'll all be okay and and like that's kind of the, that yeah. mindset that people kind of get into when they're not technological technologically savvy and it's funny like it's probably not the answer you expect, but, and, you know, you're really kind of talking about brand there. You're talking about your values and talking about the psychology of why, um, you know, why you would be offering this service and how you fulfill that need psychologically. And then technology just allow, allows you to amplify that at scale. Right. And, and yeah. kind of deliver that at scale. And then the second point is, is obviously something that you said is like, you know, there's also a very, very large importance for you to start a Uh, adopting technology right now (laughs) you know like if it's only going to speed up you know you want to make sure that you're not too far behind because that that will be a harsh reality for a lot of people in the coming years i think especially because it does compound and compound means that you know it'll start racing away from you quicker than you'll ever be able to catch it so i think it's it's just another it kind of reiterates that point that why we're doing tech month, right? Why we're doing tech month on the podcast, mm. trying to give people a bit of insight that might just spark a little bit of action for them to understand technology on a greater level, adopt it as a, you know, maybe a mechanism um, or some type of vehicle they can include in their business to help it grow and deliver a better customer experience. Because I think, if, I just think if, if you're too far behind, especially with the fucking killer robots coming, as Mark said, where we're, uh, it's <laughs> the Terminator, especially with Terminator coming. I think, um, it, you know, it could be, you know, you just don't know what, where we could be in 10 years. To Carl's, to Carl's point, sad. man, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark, sorry to cut you off, was if, um, if we look, if we apply this model, if we look at like technology and like creating platforms and systems and stuff, this isn't something can now Mark, obviously you work with like, you know, the top you know percentile of people that, you know, do this to a large, large scale. But this isn't to say that, you know, the, the business owner that's just starting out, it's not too late. And it's definitely not the wrong time to start at like implementing some strategies around technology now regardless of how big you already are. Like, I don't feel like there's a point where you need to hit a, like a, um, a certain set revenue or a certain amount of clients before you start leveraging technology um, simply because it's the way the, the world is moving right now. And if you miss that boat, you're just going to continuously get further and further behind and like the ability to catch up will just start to outrun you. Yeah. I mean, exactly right. It's all the kind of core principles are, it doesn't matter if you're doing, you know, five figures, six figures, seven figures a year, eight figures a year. The core principles of having a digital business are exactly the same. It's, you might do them at a larger scale, but the, when you bring it down to like the five things that you need to be doing or the three things you need to be doing, um, it's exactly the same. You just have to do it at different levels. And that's what technology allows you to do, right? So, you know, you, whether yeah. you're implementing at that bottom level or you're kind of doing it at scale, the same principles apply. Principles allow you to think laterally and critically and allow you to actually scale that up as uh, using technology as you start dealing with more and more people. And if you can kind of, I think 
if you can stick to those principles the whole way through and not kind of get lost in the noise, I think that's probably where you would see the most exponential growth. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's interesting because we talk about, you know, if I, there's many people that I've talked to about this before and I say, oh, by 2045, this is going to happen. You see people's eyes sort of roll in the head and they're like, yeah, whatever, that's not going to happen. That's why um, I did fucking tech whole, and annoys me. Right. <laughs> but the whole thing about an AI, it sounds ludicrous, right? People think, yeah, yeah. Like as if anyone's going to want to talk to a robot to do their diet or their check-in. And you're right. Right now at this point in time, people probably don't want to do that. Um, 10 years ago, people probably didn't want to post pictures of themselves on social media or have those conversations and stuff. Like people didn't want to go on Instagram. People didn't want to go on TikTok. It happens. People adopt behaviors. And over time, you see these gradual small steps over time that then five years down the line, everyone's using it. So we have to consider that if AI is available now and it's going to keep growing with technology and people using it, and now this whole shift online. So your audience now have gone from going to a gym to now getting used to doing virtual classes online. So that's virtual. They're interacting with people in a virtual space. They're using technology that's now starting to record, uh, you know, metrics in their sleep and their heart rate and their stress and all these sorts of things. That's now all digital and that's online. And these are small steps that we're taking that are going to keep growing over time. And as AI starts to grow alongside that, you'll notice it starts to become more and more of your day-to-day -day life. So that in a few years, although it may not be apparent now that everyone's going to use this, in a few years, people's choice will be, do I want an AI coach or do I want um, you know, this real person to coach me? And so it's important now to be thinking about your core values and your storytelling and building up that relationship and trust with people so that people want to come to you rather than something that they're slowly gravitating towards because that's where technology is going. Perfect example there is you look at shopping centers like 10 years ago, self-serve was not a thing. And, you know, when it first got brought yeah. into shopping centers here, at least people, there was a big um, rebuttal to that. Like, oh, I'm still going to go see the real person. I want the real person to pack my shit. And then now you look, they're the most empty lanes and the self-serve is always the busiest. It's convenience. Yeah. So people like, lean into convenience. Yeah. I also, I also love the example and this is kind of pretty, you can kind of see the rise of courses courses right now, right? Like digital courses mm -hmm. and everybody's kind of moving into that realm. And you look at the best experts in the world, they're probably not coaching many people one-on-one -on -one anymore. You know, a lot of what they're doing is leveraging their knowledge, their, you know, their understanding to actually deliver, um, you know, what would be a coaching service through a course or through a platform and through all these different things because it allows you to do it at scale. And, you know, mm -hmm. people... You know, like how many runners companies do you reckon the whole world actually wears, right? Like it's like fucking 60% of the world probably wears Nike. The rest are Adidas. You know, you could probably chuck in a little couple of five percenters in everywhere else. But it's like, you know, at, at the end of the day, people want the best and they gravitate towards yeah. the best. And that's, you know, I mean, that's kind of where my mind goes is like, you know, if because AI has to have a system built into it, right? And that system, like mm. you said, you know, you're, you're building a system based on Eugene's brain pretty much and you're allowing that yeah. to then, <laughs> and then you're allowing that to build on itself by collecting data and learning from itself. And it's like, okay, you know, there's probably going to come a point where this thing might actually become better than Eugene, right? And it's like, <laughs> you know, that's, that is a business model that is, you know, leveraging technology to capture market share and and that's the power of it and that's going to happen whether you like it or not you know that's 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 just fucking the way the world works yeah. you know and at, at the moment so it's definitely interesting like there's a lot of examples of how technology you know 20 years ago we were still going to blockbuster to pick our movies out you know and, and now we're watching netflix right so 
it's just yeah. that's a, a there's so many prime examples of how technology is accelerating and and naturally we just you know adopt the behavior pretty you know over time coming back to this um the yeah. conversation of platforms there like i feel like this whole thing of platforms and technology can it can definitely go over the heads of the smaller business. It can become very overwhelming when we talk about AI and all the cool shit. Like if we were to kind of really strip this back to if you were to if you let's put a bit of a hypothetical, if you were to be someone that was dealing with you know the smaller end businesses and you had that first strategy call, like what were the what are the questions you're asking them to figure out if they're ready to actually take a step down the road of building a platform and like how do you strategize with them in the beginning to figure out if they're actually able to do this or what do they need to map out yeah that's i mean that's a huge question yeah but i think that first and foremost when so i do have people ask me that so i get people on dms ask me who are perhaps um they've been coaching for a couple of years and they, and they want to know like what is my next step and generally people are doing the one-to-one -one coaching so they'll have you know 50 people 60 people that are checking in across a weekly basis um and first and foremost you want to put systems in place that allow you to be very efficient at dealing with people at volume. But then there's gonna reach a point whereby all of the things that you stand for and those principles that we talked about will start to fade away if you then have too many people and you're just focused on making money, right? Because you just won't have the time to invest and build that trust relationship with people. So once you've got all the systems in place and you kind of cap out at let's say 100 people a week or something like that, what's the next step for your business that you then can actually grow and start to make more money whilst maintaining those core values to those people? Um, so I generally say to people, at that point, you want to look at doing something simplistic like group coaching, because then that, that allows you to take on more people. You generally have the same sort of level of effort, maybe slightly more, but that you would give to one person, but you could do it across the board for more people, charge less for it, obviously, because they're not going to be getting as much interaction. Um, and within that platform, so let's say you've now got 20 people on group coaching for 12-week blocks or something like that, um, you can use all of the free services out there. So you could create a Facebook group that everyone goes in. You could create a set plan. Um, let's say you have videos, like a mini course for yourself. You have videos, you have um, PDF files that accompany it, that a training plan that everyone's going to follow the same training plan with the same goal. Um, all of those documents are evergreen, meaning you don't ever have to redo them. You could just keep using them every time you do these 12-week blocks. So then within your group, your Facebook group, you have this content, you have the structure you go through, and you could do a weekly live uh, call directly in the Facebook group. The Facebook groups have um, video chats now for, I think it's up to like 200 people. So everyone could come in on the group together. You could do that as a community. And you're just really putting up the content, answering questions every day, um, and then having this one hour live kind of webinar setting each week for 12 weeks. So in terms of your time across a week, it's probably a few hours, um, but you're able to kind of grow and take more people on. And then eventually you'll reach a point in that. So now all your one-to-ones capped out with your hours, your group coaching now within using the free systems that are out there is now capped at, um, you know, let's say 50 people or 60 people that are in that a month. Um, and then your next step from there would be perhaps, you know, I'd recommend trying like a, a digital product. So now you have enough people that are in your kind of one-to-one sessions in your group that you can actually say, right, let's now create an ebook or something that you can actually get people using and start to get feedback on. And then once you've done that, then I would say to people, well, now you might want to consider a membership platform. But if you're just now doing the coaching part, to get from there to doing a membership platform, you're probably talking like a couple of years, realistically. Um, and a membership platform doesn't work for everybody. It's a, it is a lot of work. 
it's I know the idea of it sounds great. The idea of having 10,000 people paying you 20 bucks a month each or something like that sounds phenomenal. It sounds brilliant. But the level of work and effort you have to do in the beginning is you'll be working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. You'll be editing video. You'll be doing content. You'll be spending days doing things that you don't like doing, um, which won't motivate you to keep going, keep doing things. So there's so many things as, as a smaller business, as an individual that you can do to make a residual income prior to getting to that membership platform. But as you grow and over time, if you're doing all these things right, inevitably, if you're doing them right, you're gonna grow and you're gonna scale because of, as a byproduct of you just doing everything so well. So at that point that you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, they're all really into what you're doing. You've got your ebook selling well, you've got your private coaching, you've got your group coaching. At that point, you're like, people are just begging me for something then create your membership platform and do it before then. I feel like there's a big, a massive um, learning curve there for people. And there's like a big element of uh, naivety where they feel like, oh yeah, like I could get 50 people. I could get a hundred people. I get 500 people paying a small fee. Like, and they don't really understand yeah. the the concepts of work that needs to go in on the back end to, to run that membership site. So I think that's, that's very helpful to paint a picture for the people that are, I guess, still have these steps to go through in the world of technology. Like, very easy to kind of dive straight into the um, the extremes of like membership platforms and you know all that kind of stuff where there are these I think that's like a when we talk about value laddering like there are a there's a systemized approach to to go to where you want to go and it's like the the overnight success method it just doesn't really happen it takes years on end to yeah. to get to where this membership site is actually sustainable yeah for sure and it's the great thing about going through that step process as well is you've got more chances of success because you don't really know if you create a membership platform, if people are going to want to use it. Um, and if you've gone through this whole process, let's say you start off with the individual coaching, then you've done the group coaching, then you've done an ebook. And all of this is based on, so your group coaching is based on, let's say 90% of people that come to you for individual coaching want comp prep. Then you would know, right, I'm going to do a group coaching with comp prep. And that's going to be the entire focus on my group coaching. And then your ebook is going to be about comp prep. And you know, you can listen to your audience and get what most of the people that are following you, what do they actually want? What's their need? And you'll start to carve out this niche along the way that, uh, okay, I'm going to be comprehensive. That's what everyone's coming to me for. So now you're carving that. So now when you do your membership site, it's going to be based in and around in, in its entirety about comp prep and all the ins and outs around that, as opposed to you being you know an influencer or a coach and you're in your very early days, you're only doing some sort of one-to-one -one coaching and you think, right, I'm going to create a website that's everything. Um, and then you build this platform that takes you hours and you spend sleepless nights like doing content, editing, doing things you don't want to do. You release a platform and it flops because you really didn't have any idea what your audience wanted. I think that's a one point that I'd like, like to flesh out there. It's a little bit off topic on the, the technology front, but letting your audience dictate your niche is actually a val really valuable business lesson where I feel like a lot of people move into business with ego and go, well, I want to train fucking bodybuilders but then 80% yeah. of their their like inquiries are coming through as gen pop but they still don't understand why they're not resonating with the bodybuilders and they there's this this constant fight of push and pull but um letting your your market actually dictate the direction of your business is actually a very valuable uh decision making process to go through to allow you to actually create a version of technology that can actually be leveraged to create large scale large um just large scale growth really it's about validation, yeah, right? It's, like, I think that's yeah. the thing. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, constant validation of your, you know, each product that you're running. Like, you know, we talked about it earlier about 
making these iterations, but you've got to validate something first. And, and a lot of it, you know, at every step of the way, it's just about validation. Okay. Have I validated that I've, you know, nailed the one-on-one coaching? Okay. Then I want to validate that there's an actual, you know, an actual need and want for group coaching. And, and then I'm going to validate, you know, maybe a digital product. And then, you know, once we, cause the, at every point of validation, we're acquiring more customers. Cause that's what we're doing. We're trying to leverage digital products to acquire more customers without having to sell our time. So it's about at every step of that way, we want to validate. And that's kind of the main point that I'm getting from all of this is whatever you're doing, it's about customer feedback. It's about validation and making sure that you're ticking those off instead of trying to throw the Hail Mary and, and hoping to get rich off the, the one strategy that, you know, could potentially change your life because it's never fucking that way. And if it is, it's the 1%. <laughs> and it could also change your life for the worse. Like it's a big risk to invest into such a massive platform just to, to flop. Like if you don't go through that sequential you know, pathway of events, there is a massive fucking risk there. And like business, as much as it is about taking risks, it's also about mitigating them. Like, Yeah. And it's weird. And we're at that stage now where we're confident enough to plow money in on the development side because we know what our audience want. So, we, you know, we're happy with development bills of like 50K a month or something like that for four or five months if we know, because we know we're so confident in what our offering is to our audience. Um, but in the beginning, if you're starting from scratch and, you know, you need to go through 200 grand's worth of development to put something out that you're not sure is going to work, that's a huge fucking risk. Like, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to be in that situation. I'd much rather put the time in figure out what it is that people want, make sure it's working, make sure I have some sort of idea and ask people for feedback. Like ask them like, are you guys enjoying this? Do you like it? And is everyone, are people starting to message you without you even asking saying, this is brilliant. I love that you do this, Mark. Um, great. Well, now I'm going to create something for you guys and then build on it from there. Amazing. What an episode. Um, you know, it goes very, very quickly, but I think there's a lot of nuggets there in terms of technology but just in you know strategy in general um building a business in general i think some of the key points that i got out of that was validation um and customer experience and and let them do the let them do the talking right um so i want to mark you can do a little bit of a plug now for your your instagram which is it's you know the mystery man's getting into it so um (laughs) where can where can the everyone listening find you yeah, so Instagram, Mark Covey Fox. And of recent, I've started to do a lot more content, inspired much by you, actually, um, in getting some of my content out there for people. But it's, it's getting pretty good feedback. So uh, always any comments or DMs from people. And if you just want, you know, if you want to run by, something by me, always feel free to just DM me. I love love doing this, love talking about this. So, um, yeah, happy to hear from everyone. Yeah, I mean, if today's anything to go by, I would definitely go out and check out his page and, and keep an eye out for anything that he posts because, um, as I said, he works with the best and, you know, he's, he's futuristic in the way he thinks and his, his business brain is, uh, you know, he's, he's dealing with the future, which is technology. So uh, definitely check him out. I want to say a big thanks for joining uh, us on the podcast today and um, we definitely look forward to doing it again. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I just want to say a big thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the show. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, feel free to share us, share the episode with your friends and family and 
feel free to leave us a review as well. Uh, you know, we all the support that we get for the for the show, and especially now that we've revamped it, uh, we're trying to bring something that's got a little bit more value. It's definitely appreciated. And if you have a question uh, for strategy sessions next week, you want us to take a bit of a deep dive and help you work through some of the roadblocks in your business, or you just want some help creating some winning strategy, you can shoot me an email at Kyle at EliteVitalityCoaching.com. But I'll leave it there until next week. Stay safe, stay safe, stay healthy, uh, and I'll see you on the other side.